sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, yo! What's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizapia, and welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. And for the next two hours, we got all your fantasies coming true. That's right. We've got a whole all-star list of guests. Basically, what's happening is we're taking five days worth of things and crunching them into today. That's what's happening. But it's all for your benefit. So you're welcome in advance. And don't worry, Craig Mish will be with us in a little bit as well. You're not just stuck with me for the next two hours. But we got a great lineup of guests. Andrew Erickson is going to join us, as always, from Pro Football Focus. Benny Ricciardi from Fade the Noise is going to be here on the program again. We're going to do four downs with my boy Benny from Jersey. Uh, we're also going to have Dr. Chow with Craig Mish later in the second hour of the show. We're also going to have Jim Sanis and Howard Bender. Uh, Jim's going to be talking FanDuel with Craig and Howard Bender, of course, some of their super contest wagering. So we got it all. We got fantasy. We got some reality and we got some fun. But let's kick things off with some headlines and a lot of stuff is going on now. Look, the Ravens COVID update, the Ravens situation is still very fluid at this point in time. So we'll keep any updates with you as we continue on with the program. But uh, before we even get into some of the other headlines, some some sad news in the world of soccer today, um, Diego Maradona the famed Argentinian soccer coach and, uh, you know, folklore hero uh, by many, uh, unfortunately passed away today. So obviously our, our hearts are heavy here and uh, certainly at 60 years old, gone far too soon. So um, Diego was certainly one of those guys that you see on the sidelines. I know my childhood and I remember seeing him uh, coaching those Argentinian teams and, you know, one of the great characters, I think, of the sport. So it's a very sad day there. Also, uh, some sad news and some, you know, worrisome news as well for Nick Saban, who uh, looks like he has tested positive for COVID-19 and showing symptoms. So he will not coach Alabama this weekend against Auburn. So uh, once again, here we are. I mean, COVID always dominating the headlines. I'll try not to talk about it too much more. So let's move past the COVID stuff. Let's move forward with some positive things. And, uh, well, I don't know if you think this is positive or not, but the Jaguars and Bengals are announcing some QB changes. So you're going to have Brandon Allen playing for the Bengals, not Ryan Finley. And you're going to have Mike Glennon. That's right. In honor of Thanksgiving, the man with the biggest turkey neck in all of NFL history is going to play quarterback this weekend. I know you're excited. Who wouldn't be? So we've gone from Minshew to Jake Luton to now, obviously, here we are. This is it. Mike Glennon again. And so I don't know what the Jaguars are doing. I'm not sure if the Jaguars know what they're doing, but that's not for me to decide. That's for them to decide. The one thing I do know, I like that Nick Chubb this weekend against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars running amok all over the field. I think he's a really good investment on FanDuel, but let's continue and move on here. Let's talk about Randy Rosarena. He's in a little bit of trouble with the Mexican authorities. Never Never a good thing to get in trouble with the Mexican authorities. Uh, just ask me about my crazy spring break of 1999. But in all seriousness, this is a this is a serious story here. And Randy Rosarena here is going to be a complicated uh, person to have in all fantasy leagues going forward uh, until some of this gets cleared up here and we get more information about this. But uh, if you did not get any of the story yesterday, apparently a Rosarena and his ex-wife had, um, I guess, a bit of a disagreement with their child and. and some other things going on back and forth where they believe that he was arrested based on the idea of he was trying to uh, take the child away. And it's um, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. And for those of you who are wondering, why would the Cardinals give up on a guy with, with so much promise and talent? Well, I think we're starting to get a clear picture of that. 
And uh, hopefully this is uh, not the story we think it is. And hopefully uh, this all gets taken care of in a in a very safe and timely fashion. But certainly Randy Rose Arena is 2021 season, certainly in a little bit of question now. And I think a little black cloud hanging over him as a player, as an athlete, and certainly as a fantasy asset. And that's what this is. This is Fantasy Sports Today. And I'm the king of keeping it real. So we're going to keep it real here on the show. Moving on to the headlines. Good news. Mostert. Jeffrey Wilson, back for the 49ers. Yes, it's too late. Probably, yes. But still, it's good to have them back. It'll be a more competitive game with those two guys on the field for sure for the 49ers against the Rams. And God knows I'm terrible about picking the Rams. So I still think the Rams are going to win. Now, the fact that I think the Rams are going to win means you should put all your money on the San Francisco 49ers this weekend. I think we've already established that on the show. The Rams are my kryptonite. But the Rams seem to be at least looking like they have gotten more consistent. They're finding out their identity, which is we're going to throw the ball into oblivion and just see how it works. And so far, it's been working. Aaron Donald also works, and the defense is also working. I think that is kind of the unsung story there with them. Uh, bad news, Kenny Galladay did not practice on Tuesday, but good news for the Detroit Lions, who play a game on Thursday on Thanksgiving. DeAndre Swift did return to practice. He had missed last week, if you don't recall, with concussion protocols. So that's good news for the Lions, but still... We know that Stafford's not 100%. We know that Kenny Galladay is probably going to be out for this game. Amendola missed last week. The center's having some issues there. We got a lot of issues here with Detroit. I'm a little worried about them when it comes to the Houston Texans and uh, the Detroit Lions. I think that uh, Houston might have their way with the Lions. We shall see. Stranger things have happened. We all know that. And, of course, in the retread news, there's always going to be retread news, Jordan Howard who was picked up by the Eagles last week, put on the practice squad. I guess he cleared the protocols because he's been added to the main roster and he can join a collection of other toys for Carson Wentz to not play with properly. That's right. That's where we're at right now. And I think one of the biggest questions going in to Sunday is going to be that game. Actually, Monday, now that I think about it, it's a Monday night football game. But here you go. It's going to be on full display. Seattle Seahawks, bad defense. Carson Wentz, who, look, this year has just not played well. Let's be honest. And uh, Andrew Erickson and I are going to talk about that a little later in the show. He's got a stat that's going to blow your mind about Carson Wentz. So it's worth sticking around just for that. But still, I don't care how many tours you're giving the guy. Right now, he doesn't know how to play with him properly. Right now, he looks like a guy who's regressing. And right now, it doesn't matter what defense is on the other side. Carson Wentz is having all kinds of issues, and so are the Eagles. And we are approaching a playoff game, basically, between the Washington football game team and the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday for that division. The Eagles are going to be waiting on Monday night to see who the winner of that is. But I don't know of any winners in the East. We're going to hit a break. We come back. More fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid. Don't go anywhere. Joey P will be back with you right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Joe Pizzapia with you here. And I know you're trying to pick up some last-minute things for Thanksgiving. Yes, what are you going to bring if you are traveling for Thanksgiving this weekend? And if you are, please be safe. And uh, what are you going to make? All those little last-minute things where you went to the store and, oh, I forgot the brown sugar. How can I forget the brown sugar? I got to go back. Well, guess what? 
don't forget about the waiver wire either because there's some things there you might want to pick up as well so we're going to take you through some of those names maybe talk a little dfs stack too if there's time here but even before we get into that a little bit of breaking news just came across a christian mccaffrey was seen in a red shirt practicing now that's great not just because it's getting closer to Christmas and he likes the color red, but because it means it's getting closer and closer to potentially playing this weekend. So we'll keep an eye on that here on the network. If we get more, uh, obviously, on Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern on game day, you'll hear me talk about that if he is indeed active. So that's why you get on the grid. That's why you stay on the grid. That's what we're here for. But let's talk about the waiver wire, shall we? So let's get off here and let's talk about running back and wide receivers. Now, look, it's slim pickets. It feels kind of like the leftovers the next day. I'm not gonna be uh I'm not gonna be lying to you. I'm the king of keeping it real. I told you. So carry on Johnson at 61%, James White at 40% rostered. Gus Edwards might be the last man standing. I've been telling you for weeks to pick up Gus Edwards, just put him on your bench. Hopefully you listened. If not, well, he's still out there in about 70% of the leagues. Then you've also got some wide receivers that I think bear witness. Michael Pittman Jr. How is he still available? And 60% of leagues. I don't know. Have you guys been watching what Michael Pittman Jr. has been doing? Yet another great rookie wide receiver who continues to show out. Now, Demir Bird had a good game last week. I don't know if that carries over because, you know, we've seen in the past year Jacoby Myers be the guy, and then Demir Bird showed up, had a huge week. I think it was just a matchup thing. I personally wouldn't chase that one. I think that's one to be a little aware of. Now, Steve Sims Jr., Looking like he got him back on track a little bit. Now he's going to play in this uh, short week here on Thursday on the Thanksgiving games as Washington travels to Dallas. So he is 24% rostered here. So uh, obviously another Sims, Cam Sims, has kind of stepped in there and been pretty good while he's been out. And he's been trying to work his way back into the good graces. Now Dontrell Inman might actually be active for this game too, which could make this even more complicated a situation. But then you got Marvin Hall sitting there at 21%. And I think Marvin Hall might be a better ad than Demir Bird or Sims. If I'm going to add one guy, it's definitely Pittman. At this point in time, I think we have to recognize that Pittman's probably the best wide receiving option they have. He's the best receiving option, period, they have in that Colts offense who takes on the Tennessee Titans this weekend. Tennessee Titans defense has played better recently, getting a little bit more aggressive up front. But still, you could throw the ball on them. The problem is, Philip Rivers basically is only throwing the ball to Naheem Hines all year. That's a bit of a problem for me. I don't know about you, but I like him spreading the ball around a little bit. T.Y. Hilton's not the player he once was. Michael Pittman now, I think, is on the precipice of becoming that true number one guy. And I know that's kind of crazy considering he's a rookie, and on top of which, a rookie that's missed time coming into the season. However, it's 2020. We have to shake off all of our inhibitions. We have to shake off all the things in the past and our preconceived notions and realize that this is a new reality. And the rookie wide receivers are good enough to be wide receiver ones on teams. Now, on your fantasy team, maybe a handful of those guys might be that next year. We'll see. CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, certainly Chase Claypool and Jefferson. They've all put themselves in that conversation. We'll see as 2021, there's roster turnover, some new quarterbacks coming into the league too. But going back to the running backs real quick too, you know, Adrian Peterson's rostered in most leagues, so I don't think Carrion can do all that much now, especially that we got good news on DeAndre Swift. So I would probably push him to the side. Carrion was more of a, a fail-safe if, indeed, DeAndre Swift was unable to go. But the fact that he was back at practice yesterday, that has pushed things forward a little bit. That's good news. James White, that addition, you know, I got to tell you, with Rex Burkhead out now, and Rex Burkhead basically this year for the Patriots has become that James White guy. He's got to take it over that role. And I think... You know, has nothing to do so much with James White and what he's got left in the tank. James White has been a very good football player for quite some time for the Patriots. I think it has to do with what 2020's done to James White. I mean, losing his 
father in that terrible accident, his mother in critical condition for a while. I think it just kind of took its toll on him. He had missed a lot of time with the team. And and look, I mean, there's just more important things than football. But knowing what I know about James White, he's going to answer the bell if he gets called. And I think he's going to get called. And I think the Patriots have tried not to call on him too much, but their back's against the wall at four and six right now. So James White's going to get the call this weekend against uh, the Arizona Cardinals. You could bet your bottom dollar about that. So I think if you are going to pick him up, he's a pickup and play, I think, as a flex this week in uh, in those formats. And, of course, Gus Edwards, look, I mean, last man standing with the running backs for now, knock on wood with the Ravens, right? There's the wood. Got to knock on again in case you missed it the first time. Get throw the graphic when I'm knocking on my head. Come on, that's, that's the best part of the show. Come on, boys. Seriously, though, how, how thankful am I? And not only have this time here on the show, but to have such great people like James and Brett who humor me and my stupidity here on the program. So for what it's worth, boys, thank you very much. I appreciate you. And Thanksgiving, we're feeling grateful and thankful. Let's see if we can feel thankful for any of the tight ends and quarterbacks that are floating around the waiver wire. Taysom Hill, still just 42% rostered. Really? That's kind of surprising to me. For a guy who scored 24 points last week, I look, I, I think that people were kind of slow on the uptake there. A lot of people wanted to wait and see. Some people weren't buying in. And I understand the single quarterback league, now that he is just quarterback eligible, it's a little less appealing. But have we learned nothing from 2020? Have we not learned at this point in time that you have to have options? Options are good. At any given time, you're going to lose a quarterback. Just ask Joe Burrow owners, Dak Prescott owners, all the people that have had these, these quarterback changes over the last few weeks as well. These things happen. So Taysom Hill right now, look, you should scoop him up anyway, just so somebody else doesn't. You talk sometimes about this time of year, maybe blocking some other people from picking up players. This is one of those players to spend some fab on if you got it left because he could go on a little run here. And we don't know exactly when Drew Brees is coming back. And when he does come back, is there going to be some kind of weird split here? We're going to see more of Taysom Hill. I don't know about you, boys and girls, but 11 cracked ribs sounds pretty painful to me. I don't think that's something that I want to get on the football field and start throwing the ball. And I'll tell you what, you look at this record and where they stand at the top of this division right now. If they go out there and they beat the Denver Broncos handily on the road this weekend, which I think would be a tough task. But if they do that, what's to say that they rush Drew Brees back? What's to say that Taysom Hill can't help you maybe the first week of the fantasy playoffs? So go pick him up. Derek Carr should be picked up too. I know Andrew and I on from Pro Football Focus are going to talk more about Derek Carr also. Derek Carr is having a very solid consistent season he's just 36 percent rostered he should be added in all leagues even single quarterback leagues just to have some of the matchups he's got forward coming uh daniel jones another guy this week going against cincinnati god knows what that cincinnati offense is going to look like no joe mixon no joe burrow no joe pizapia you got to have at least one joe out there you're going to be competitive but daniel jones has a good opportunity here and Derek carr and daniel jones too on Fanduel, very uh reasonably priced this week i'm uh, looking for some tight ends look Go back to the Jordan Reed well, 14% rostered. Decent matchup here against the Rams with the run game back a little bit more full strength with Mostert and Wilson. There's some options there for you. There's some places you can definitely go. And I think the Jordan Reed, although probably limited in terms of ceiling, has enough upside to become a tight end one this week in that matchup against the Rams. Probably a tight end, you know, 12 or 11 overall, but still tight end landscape is tough. Richard Rodgers. He's still floating around there, too. I know Goddard's back, and I know he was good. But look, I think there's enough for everybody to eat against Seattle. Despite Carson Wentz's struggles, and they are many. And speaking of that game, too, we're down to the tight ends in Seattle without Greg Olson for the rest of the season with Will Disley and Jacob Hollister. So I don't think they're really streaming options, but this is it. When you hit week 12, 
you start to get to the bottom of the barrel with some of these. Now, I want to transition a little bit too, give you a little thoughts on some stacking this weekend on FanDuel. I know later in hour two, Jim Sanis is going to talk to you about some of the values and some of the plays there. So stick around for that. But in the meantime, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the maybe more surprising stacks, and one of them being the New York Giants. Very cost-effective on FanDuel. I mentioned Daniel Jones. Let's talk about Wayne Gallman, who's been a, a double-digit guy last three weeks in a row. Really solid. Score and touchdowns. You want that touchdown equity in the half-point PPR. Shepard, Ingram, Slayton, all very cost-effective. All of them under 6K. I like that stack. I think it's one to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, and I think that that's something that you can you know, plug in there and it can go to the top of the board if you want to get a Dalvin Cook or somebody else like that. And I think that's something to always keep in mind. And I would also strongly consider uh, you know, making sure that you get some Nick Chubb shares. I just love that matchup against Jacksonville too while we're, while we're on it. You look at the top of the board, Dalvin Cook's all the way to 11. Maybe a little Nick Chubb sprinkled in there. He's been really good since he's been back. So, uh, look, we're going to hit a break. We come back. Benny Richari is going to join me before he goes down to the shore. We're going to talk a little four downs with him. So, Thanksgiving football. So, stick around. More more fantasy sports today with me, Joe Bezapia, right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And... We got all the guests today, all the guests and all the best guests here, as always, on the show. And look, it, it's not Wednesday without a little four downs from our good friend, Benny Ricciardi. And Benny, Thanksgiving is coming. You know, I try to tell people when you grow up in an Italian house for Thanksgiving, sometimes you have the turkey, sometimes you don't. You know, people really don't care about that in the Italian household. There's a lot of other things to eat. I got to ask you, in the Italian Thanksgivings you grew up in, did you have the turkey or was it really just a whole bunch of other food? Well, we did have the turkey, but we had like a... 10 course meal spread. So you start eating at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Exactly. The turkey doesn't come in until like six or seven. So by that point, like if anybody's even awake or not drunk, like maybe they'll have some turkey. But yeah, it was an afterthought, really. I don't know what the combination of those things, awake and not drunk, that seems like a crazy combination to not be. I mean, why would you have that? But uh, look, we appreciate you spending time with us here before the holiday. And speaking of holiday, we hope we're going to have some football. We hope three games. That's hopefully where we're trending here. And I think we have to start thinking about the approach here to what's going on as we keep hearing more and more names uh, being announced here uh, with the Baltimore side of things with COVID. So I don't know about you, but my first take in this when I was starting to put FanDuel lineups together was I immediately went to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. This is a defense that put up, I think, 18 points against the Ravens the first time. And if they're down on people, I think a lot of people will forget that, oh, right, Forget that it's Lamar Jackson. Forget all those other things. There might be a lot of other guys that are off the practice squad potentially in this game if it's played and a whole lot of other concerns, especially when you're missing Dobbins and you're missing Ingram and you're not, not that they've been great all year, but certainly uh, I think when you're not playing at full strength, it's just clear. And that's when you want to look at other defenses. So what does what's going on with this game right now mean for you going forward, not just in daily fantasy, but also mean going forward for you in the season long lineups too with some of these players? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting for Daily Fantasy, actually, because we're going to have that Thanksgiving slate one way or another. And depending on who's playing or who's not playing, you're going to get the value that we normally have to search so hard to get with that Baltimore Ravens team. Because I'm still not sure. I heard there was a couple more guys today that wound up testing positive. There's going to be guys that had close contacts with them that are not going to be able to play. 
you we may not even know some of the names of some of these guys on the Baltimore Ravens until we actually get to Thanksgiving and we're like, oh, I didn't even know that guy was still on the Ravens or I didn't even know he was playing there. Um, so that's what's really interesting about this is you're going to find some of those really cheap players on the Ravens. I wish I could even tell you guys now a day before Thanksgiving who those guys are. Actually <laughs> the way the news is flowing, we're not even really sure. But remember, this is the last game because this is the eight o'clock game. So we are going to have a lot of that information before the first game starts, but you're going to be able to play the studs on all the other teams that you want, Mm -hmm. because there's going to be some value on that Ravens team that you could fit in there. And I do agree with you. I mean, I already had Pittsburgh as the number one defense. I wanted to play on Thanksgiving and on most weekends for Mm -hmm. NFL, Mm -hmm. but this week it's even, it's even more so they're going to be number one, depending on how bad this, uh, you know, this COVID thing rattles the entire Ravens team. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Cowboys here on second down because, like it or not, the Cowboys are playing on Thanksgiving again. And uh, look, we got the Washington football team coming in. And, you know, Washington's done a, a sneaky little job here lately of, you know, getting Antonio Gibson run the football really well. And, and JD McKissick's been looking good. So, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of heat on this game in a weird way, despite the bad records because of the implications. But I want to talk to you more about what's going on with Andy Dalton now. So this was a better showing from Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. And I know it's very difficult week to week. You know, last week was against Minnesota. So I don't know how much you want to take out of that because Minnesota's defense has not been good this year. But mm-hmm. do you think that this is a little bit of a turnaround here where Andy Dalton's starting to get this offense under him a little bit? Because the argument I keep making is, look, Andy Dalton's been in the league a very long time, but he's been in one team for his whole career and and different teams do things differently. And I think it takes anybody a little bit of time to kind of get used to it. So do you think that this is Andy Dalton getting up to speed or do you think this is more of a one-off against Minnesota? No, I do think it's Andy Dalton getting up to speed. Here's the way that I've been explaining this to people as as somebody who does a lot of the sports betting side, right? When Mm -hmm. we're building models for teams and we're doing power rankings for everything, Early in the season when Dak Prescott was the quarterback of this team, this was like a top 10 offense. I might think it was even top five at some points during the season. They were putting up numbers left and right. And when you're trying to figure out how good this team is, you have to understand that they went through three phases of the season. And this is phase three. The first phase was with Dak Prescott when the offense was unbelievable, a top five offense in the league. And, you know, they were putting up big points. The second phase of the season is when it was Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert, I think was his name, and, you know, Cooper Rush for a couple snaps in there. And at that point in time, they were like the 32nd ranked DVOA defense over that span. Now with Andy Dalton here, they're going to be somewhere in the middle. And that's what we need to find out when we're doing like power rankings for for the sports betting side, trying to figure out how many points we should be giving them. That's what makes this so tough because it's such a small sample size we have with Andy Dalton right now. We know that with Andy Dalton, they're better than they were with the Ben DiNucci's and the Garrett Gilbert's of the world. We also know with Andy Dalton, they're not as good as they were with the Dak Prescott's of the world. So they fall somewhere in between those two extremes. And I think that people are just so down on this team right now that Mm -hmm. they didn't give them any credit. I didn't think they were going to beat Minnesota last week. That was definitely a surprise for me. But the way that they played should tell people that, hey, there's still a lot of skilled players on this team that are really, really good. They have really good receivers. They have two pretty good running backs at this point in time. So they can definitely do it. And the other thing that nobody's looking at here with Dallas, Joe, they got a lot healthier on defense. You know, they were missing mm-hmm. a yeah, lot of linebackers. Those linebackers back in there, I remember a couple years ago, anytime Sean Lee was out, you just played the running back against Dallas. Yeah, well, could- and Van Der Esch, the ad injury to Van Der Esch early in the season was a real killer, and people didn't talk about it enough, I thought. Yeah, and he's basically the guy who's been outplaying the Sean Lee role for them. So there you go. Now that he's back, 
you saw them be a little bit better. I mean, listen, mm. everybody thought Dan Cook was going to have 250 yards and three touchdowns last week. <laughs> fell well short of that. Not well short, but pretty short. You know what short I mean? Short enough. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's go third down here. Let's talk about Taysom Hill and the Saints. Uh, look, it was a good showing in the second half of Taysom Hill. And certainly from a fantasy standpoint, everybody loved it. I knew it was going to be best Taysom Hill lineup everywhere on FanDuel last week. But this week he's got the Denver Broncos. There's <laughs> one thing about Denver, man. They don't care about your plans. Like you go into Denver and weird things happen. Just ask Miami. Cause that's what happened last week. So is this a, a week where we get a better sense of what Taysom Hill is as a quarterback? And if so, is it make you feel good about him going forward next year into fantasy or the saints just generally speaking, because it's very difficult to move on from a hall of fame quarterback, especially when the best ever do it. Just ask the Patriots how that's going. But I mean, in your opinion, from what you saw to Taysom Hill, at least last week, is that prospect out there for the saints to kind of pick up where they left off this year with breeze. If breeze is indeed done. Well, I mean, listen, the guy threw for 230 yards last week, had one that was like a 40-yard touchdown pass down the field that got called back, too. Do right. I think yeah? Do I think Hill's going to be a guy that throws for 250, 300, 350 yards like Breeze did in his prime? No, I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. But basically, if you look at his numbers that he put up last game, he's kind of like a Kyler Murray light at this point. I mean, he rushed for 50 yards. He threw for over 200 yards. We talk about it all the time, how the – the one rushing yard is worth two and a half yards passing. So a guy who rushes for 50 and throws for 230, it's really like he threw for 350 yards last week. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with the touchdowns. A rushing touchdown is worth six. A passing touchdown is worth four. So rushing for two touchdowns like he did last week is like throwing for three. So if you put his numbers from a running quarterback into like what a normal quarterback is, he basically threw for over 350 yards and three touchdowns last week. If you had a quarterback that's throwing for 350 and three, you're starting him every week in fantasy. And then as much as I hated Tim Tebow back in the day, (laughs) I still hate Mitch Trubisky to this day. Mitch Trubisky and Tim Tebow were guys who finished as top 10, top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So if you're looking at Taysom Hill from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, he's he's a quarterback one, I think, for most of the rest of the season. The problem is there's a big difference between the way they're going to run the offense with him and the way they ran the offense with Drew Brees. Right. And that's going to affect all the pass catchers. I mean, Alvin Kamara has. Well, it's going to affect Kamara, too, because Kamara's yeah. carries get taken away to a certain extent, too. So a guy who didn't have a ton of carries already is now going to get less. And Michael Thomas might get less targets. So overall, you have to kind of reevaluate from a, from a dynasty standpoint, from a keeper standpoint, your investments in those guys. Not that they're not elite still, but are they at the very top of the board? I think that becomes a little bit of a question. Let's do fourth down here. And let's chat about the Giants and the Bengals. Bengals, horrible, wretched, terrible, awful news last week, losing Joe Burrow to this awful knee injury. And uh, look, I've said it all along. The Giants compete. They've been cover machines all year. They don't have great personnel, but they show up and they compete. They have effort and they don't just give in either. I mean, they, they give over the ball, but they don't give in. So yeah. take me through this game here with the Bengals, obviously with Finley playing quarterback, it's not going to be the same. You're going to downgrade a lot of the pieces here, but is this like the time here for the giants to really start to capitalize a little bit? It feels like they could be in the driver's seat if they could just win a couple games in a row here. Yeah. I mean, nobody else seems to be winning any games in that uh, division. So I think three, three wins, I think is leading the division right now. So yes, it is yeah. three. I, I wouldn't be three. Whole if I, if I, yeah, if I was a Jets fan, we wouldn't be eliminated yet if we were in the NFC. So there would have been a chance there. But um, listen here, like the Giants are seven. The Giants are three and seven. That's their record. Not good. But they're seven and three against the spread. So we say it all the time, Joe. Good teams win. Great teams cover. 
This Giants team is a great team as long as they keep covering for us. But here's the important, <laughs> you know, here's the important thing about this week is like I'm getting nervous about it. I liked it a little better earlier in the week. It opened around four. Um, I don't know what number you're looking at right now, but I've seen a bunch of these numbers moving up five, five and a half in different places around the, you know, around the sports betting world at this point. You really got to figure out how things are going to change for Cincinnati. Like, obviously, Finley is not the quarterback that Joe Burrow is, even with Burrow being a rookie. So you're going to tick them down a little bit here. I had this game actually at – if Burrow was playing, I would have had Cincinnati favored by a point and a half to two points in this game. Without him, he's a guy that I have ranked as about a four, so he adds about four points to a spread. Finley, though, after last week, is a guy that is probably so bad that you actually take points away for him being your starting quarterback. So, I mean, we're probably looking at, you know, I, I still had the game at around three. Now it's up to five and a half. I know the Giants have been covering. I know the Giants are good. I know everybody in the world expects the Giants to roll them here. I do not have the faith to put money on the Bengals here. But I'm telling you guys, don't keep chasing this Giants number. If you got in early on it at like four, okay. But if this number keeps moving up, five and a half, six, six and a half, do not chase it. The Giants are not a good enough team for me to want to lay almost a touchdown with. Yeah, I agree with you. I think as that number kind of expands, that I would kind of stay away from it too. Benny, great stuff as always. You can check Benny out at Fade the Noise. He's got shows there. He's got articles there. He's got everything there. Go check him out on Twitter as well at Benny R11. Benny, you know I love you here. It's uh, great. I'm very thankful to be back here doing stuff with you here on the network. And uh, it's just like old times. Who says you can't go home again, baby? So enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. That'll do it for Benny. But we'll be back with more here right on Fantasy Sports today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Okay, the cast of characters continues here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Yes, we have... So many star-studded folks with us joining us. And yes, he usually joins us a little later in the week, but you know what? It's the holiday, so we moved him up because we can't have a week here without Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus and chat with him a little bit about a little past, present, and future stuff that we saw last week, stuff that we are seeing right now, and stuff that we're looking for in the rest of the NFL season. Andrew, happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. And, uh, you know, fantasy football always be like, that's the gift that always keeps on giving, don't you think? Yeah, you know, just like Tom Brady just giving the other team interceptions. Oh, absolutely love to see oh, it. You know, it's weird. Shade. It's Look weird. It's almost like Brady and Belichick work the best together. And, and this is what happens when you ruin a good pairing. That's right. That's right. Never go solo. Always keep the act together. That's what I say. Look at you with that with that Josh Gordon jersey you got up in the corner too. Tell, please tell me you got that on the clearance rack. Please tell me that was a purchase at the end when they were just giving away jerseys, right? Oh yeah, no, I got autographed. It's all good to go. All right, there you go. All right, so let's talk a little Thanksgiving football here. I want to talk about Washington Dallas because. You know, right now in this game, I, I would say the last couple of weeks here with Alex Smith getting comfortable again, back in the quarterback position, it's been great to see Antonio Gibson start to kind of emerge. And this was a guy that got converted from wide receiver to running back position. It's taken him a little while, I think, to figure things out. But in this landscape of rookie running backs that 
It's kind of been a nightmare. Yesterday, we even talked about Keyshawn Vaughn and whatever happened to him, right? Remember when people talked about it? I haven't even thought about that name since <laughs> September. All these rookie running backs, Dobbins and, and, and DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor's, you know, many ups and downs. Antonio Gibson seems to be the guy that's kind of just chugging along. Are we kind of taking him for granted? And are we kind of taking things for granted here just because Dallas won a game last week that you still can't go and score on this team? And are Washington basically in a good spot here offensively with Terry McLaurin, J.D. McKissick, Alex Smith, and Gibson to put up some points here on Thanksgiving? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys offense got back on track last week, but their defense showed it, you know, what it's been doing all season, just giving up fantasy points to receivers, to running backs, and Dalvin Cook had his day. But Antonio Gibson, you look at his first 100-yard game of the year was against the Dallas Cowboys. So this was his kind of breakout game, and really, it's just a matter of game flow with Gibson. You know, if they have the lead and they're winning games, they are more likely going to feed this guy. And when they're losing, that's when it becomes the J.D. McKissick show, and he gets like 15 targets a game. Um, So again, it's weird because we thought Antonio Gibson would at least be the pass-catching back, but... It seems like, hey, McKissick's better pass blocking. We're going to keep him involved as a receiver. Again, they don't have a lot of receivers outside McLaurin anyway. So they split out McKissick in the slot out wide a lot of the time. So even though Gibson is still the primary back, early down back, and and they sometimes use these guys together. So I really like Gibson a lot in this matchup. Again, I mentioned, you know, 128 yards on 20 carries and the touchdown the first time these teams met. And Dallas, again, not a great defense. And among the rookie running backs, I know you talked about him. You know, James Robinson has been the best one out of all of them. Good point. Um, and it, it, Antonio Gibson ranks right behind him in PFF rushing grade at 82.1, just behind James Robinson. So these are the top two guys, the rookie running backs, we all projected, <laughs> Antonio Gibson and James Robinson. I'm glad we spent all of that time working so hard to project all those guys. That's the beauty of football. Well, luckily, the wide receivers have been much better. So luckily, at least we could take solace in the rookie wideouts. What a class that's been. But uh, I'm with you, actually. I'm starting some FanDuel lineups on Thanksgiving with both Gibson and McKissick. I just think there's enough for both those guys to eat there. And I think a lot of people gravitate towards Zeke. It was nice to see him get in the end zone again. It's nice to see him get a hundred yard game, but does that just mean Ezekiel Elliott is back now? Or is this just fool's gold? So I don't know if it's all about Ezekiel Elliott. Again, we look at running backs. A lot of times they're just products of the offense. And, you know, there was a report that came out before the game last week where the Cowboys were reshuffling their offensive line. So they were going to change things up. They were going to bench Terrence Steele, who has a 46.9 PFF grade. Very bad. So they benched benched him. They moved Zach Martin from right guard to right tackle. They started Connor McGovern at right guard. And that change resulted in the team finishing as the fifth highest graded run blocking unit on the week. So that small tweak and change really got the best five offensive linemen in the best position to create spaces for the Dallas Cowboys. And a lot of their success was you know, running to the right side of the field. So running behind Martin, running behind McGovern, they averaged 7.2 yards per carry from the right side of the formation. Washington has a lot of the third most rushing plays of 10 yards or more from the right side of the formation. So I I do think that they're going to see some success running the football with Zeke and Tony Pollard in this matchup. Uh, What's your PFF grade, by the way? I don't want to pry, but, you know. (laughs) They, they give you a grade or no? Well, it'd be 100, but, you know, (laughs) I can't. We'll give it a 95. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's live in the past again uh, for the second here. And uh, let's talk a little bit about Tom Brady, who we alluded to in the Bucks. And, and 
you know, I hope you'll agree with me, but I keep saying it over and over again. If you do not support Tom Brady with a run game, this is what happens. And sure enough, here we are again. It's like no one ever seems to learn from the mistakes. If you go look back in the good Tom Brady games, you'll notice something. And it's that Ronald Jones is like 100 yards or more in those games. Or you'll notice, oh, look, that was the game Leonard Fournette was good. You must support him with a run game. Why is it that Bruce Arians continues, even down by one touchdown, just seems to abandon the run game? And what's going on here? Don't they understand that if you are going to pull up defenses a little bit, not drop everybody back into coverage and run some play action and do some dump offs and stuff like that? I know Fournette dropped a couple balls, but still, there's just not enough volume in this run game. They run the football. They win games. They don't run the football. Tom Brady throws picks. Why is this equation seem so simple to me, but so difficult for Bruce Arians? Because they gotta get Antonio Brown the ball. They gotta. Just, oh, they gotta... <laughs> is that is that it? Honestly, is that it? Though? I mean, that's part of it. I mean, you look at the game last night. They're trying to get Mike Evans involved. They're trying to get Chris Godwin involved. They're trying to get Antonio Brown involved. When and it's like maybe that's not the best strategy to do this. I mean, you look at it. You know, since Brown joined the team, they've lost two out of their three games. Again, it's not because of Brown's play on the field per se, but. Again, schematically speaking, like you've been referring to, you know, they changed the game plan. You know, we, we weren't seeing Scotty Miller, you know, be a focal point of the offense when he was in. He played a complementary role as a deep threat. And again, you know, if you can establish a run again, this is not 100 percent proven. But again, if you run the ball, usually play action works a little bit better so you can hit those downfield shots. But I mean, it goes back to, again, they've had injuries. Ali Marpet is one of their best guards and he's missed the last three games. And sure. we've seen the Saints overwhelmed with pass rush. We saw it in this, this game again, Brady's under pressure. Brady's not that, I mean, most quarterbacks aren't good under pressure, but again, yeah. a guy that's not mobile like Brady, it's hard for him to make plays. Again, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, these guys, Mahomes, they can make, they can do so much more under pressure just because they can move and they can still play well, but Brady's under pressure, you know, plays over. He's got to, it's going to, he's going to dump it off to a running back and last night, you know, that clearly didn't work. No, it didn't. All right, let's do a little present here. You know, the Raiders again, took the chiefs to the limit, which I kind of love. I mean, I, I'm, I, I still think the chiefs are the class of the league. I still think they are the team to beat still, regardless of the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see how that all works out of the playoffs. But I guess here's the question. Are, are the Raiders kind of flying under the radar still? Are the Raiders a team where people aren't giving them enough respect? Because not only have they beaten Kansas City, they almost you know took them to the end another time. They're, they're on the playoffs right now if we were to end today. But also, you know, Nelson Aguilar, a guy that, I mean, was a punchline and still kind of is sometimes. You look up, he's got a touchdown in what, like six of the last seven games or something absurd. Like, it's nuts how good he's been. Uh, you know, Jacobs hasn't been overwhelmingly good, but but overall, Derek Carr's play has really stepped up, I think, year over year. Is this kind of the vision of the Raiders? Is this the Raiders evolution that Gruden and Mayock have been waiting for? Because it seems like they are a very competitive team. And last year they had moments, but they fell short in teams that they against teams they should have beaten this year. They're beating the teams they shouldn't beat and the teams that they should. Yeah, Derek Carr, second highest PFF passing grade since week four, only wow. behind Deshaun Watson. So that's and again, you, you are number one, number then one, Deshaun, and then and then Derek Carr. Yeah, that's that's the. So rate. he's playing real life good football, and again, that doesn't always transfer over to fantasy. But we saw it last, or you know, on Sunday night. He ripped apart the Chiefs, who have a pretty good defense. They've graded really well in terms of, you know, fantasy points per game, two quarterbacks. So, I mean, once they decide that, hey, we're going to let Carr throw the ball, then that's what they do. So, obviously, they're a team that does want to run the ball with Jacobs, and they have a strong offensive line. But, yeah, I mean, Carr is absolutely balling out. He's being aggressive downfield. You mentioned an Aguilar resurgence. Again, Aguilar's got to throw in a couple drops here and there. But, 
Hey, if you don't catch us eight passes. I love that you said resurgence. I'm waiting for that. When was that first time? I think this is the first one. I don't know the resurgence. I don't remember the first good Aguilar season. So you, you'll have to go back and tell me about that one. But yeah, I, I think you're right, man. I think, I think it feels like the Raiders are, you know, that stat about cars really, that's something that tells you everything you need to know. And I think that's the big difference is the confidence that the guy's been playing with, which is huge. Now to his confidence, I don't think has been shaken. So let's talk a little future here. Uh, you could take two out of a game. I don't think that's going to shake the kid because then you give him the the Jets and the Bengals the next two weeks. And I'm sure that's enough of a confidence builder to get back. So I'll ask you, do you think it's just going right back to where he left off before the debacle in Denver? Or are you a little worried here about Tua, who maybe thought the NFL was a little easier uh, than it turned out to be after all? Jets defense is probably worse than some of the defenses he played in college. Like, like that's like what we're looking at. You look at who they're starting in their secondary with all the injuries they've had. I mean, we saw it last week. Keenan Allen was unstoppable. Justin Herbert could do whatever he wanted. They're starting Lamar Jackson, you know, a Jets cornerback named Lamar Jackson, Arthur Mallett, Ashton Davis, Bryce Hall. Never heard of any of these guys. I love it. You know what? I love it. That other Lamar Jackson, you know, somebody was really happy in some fantasy draft where in the eighth round, they still saw Lamar Jackson. They took him and didn't realize that he was a defensive player for the Jets. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they can't cover anyone. They are a quote unquote pass funnel defense. They'll sell out to stop the run and that, okay, sure. Do it. Whatever. We'll just throw all over you. And again, you know, Devontae Parker, I think is in a really good spot here. Jakeem Grant, I think is a good spot. So, yeah, I think Tua's going to be fine. wouldn't surprise me to see him really bounce back in these next two matchups, like you mentioned, against the Jets and Bengals. Again, you know, Justin Herbert just ripped apart this defense. You know, he's a rookie quarterback, too. So, Tua's going to see that and be like, hey, if this rookie can do it, so can I. All right, let's see uh, what the Eagles have in store, too. Let's do a little future with the Eagles, which future does not look bright right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and let's talk about them for the rest of this season and for next year too. I want to get into this a little bit because this is a quarterback where I feel like the confidence has been shaken. This is a quarterback that's going in the wrong direction. So, uh, you know, enough with the excuses here. We've had all the healthy complement of weapons. Yes. The offensive line is not healthy, but look, is it time for them to see what Jalen hurts is? Or do you think you just continue to ride or die this season? And then next year kind of reevaluate. And does that reevaluation mean Carson Wentz is somewhere else next year? I mean, when you have a quarterback issue, your quarterback's playing bad, you know, most of the time teams just can't go anywhere else because they don't have any other options. Like, right. oh, like, why do we go to the backup? You know, if it's a journeyman, like, you can't provide any type of spark, but they drafted the quarterback in the second round. Like, this is exactly the situation where it would be perfect to, like, plug a guy in, add a spark to the offense. I mean, Jalen Hurts, you know, has kind of been that type of player. And, you know, and he's been in a situation before where he was taken out yeah. in a big game. and. He lost his job and and he probably wants to get that opportunity to be like, I can be, you know, what Tua was to me and I can provide a spark to this team. Again, this team is in first place. <laughs> like, like, so they are still trying to win. And again, obviously, maybe this is about, you know, what they're dealing with hurts in practice and he just doesn't look like he's ready. So maybe that's why they're hesitant. But I mean, look, you know, with Carson Wentz, you know, one of the biggest things we look at in PFF is looking at like clean pocket versus under pressure. Under pressure, obviously, we expect quarterbacks to be worse. Like, that's the problem. But Wentz, under pressure on 48% of his dropbacks in this last game, his passer, his PFF passing grade was better under pressure than in a clean pocket. So that's just telling you that, that that's it's insane. not that's, it's, that's it's, madness. It, so it's confidence. That's what it is. Yeah. So it's not the pressure that's getting to him. It's like, it's a clean pocket, like make the throws and he's just not doing it. He's not delivering. 
Yeah, I mean, I know it's probably difficult for Carson Wentz. He had to sit there and watch Nick Foles win a Super Bowl with his team. He had to have reconstructive knee surgery, and he had to end last year in a concussion. And then people talk about how he's, you know, oh, he's injury prone. Like the guy got concussed. I mean, it has been terrible. I mean, I'm hoping that a change of scenery for Carson Wentz will do the trick, man. But I can only assume that they haven't seen enough out of Jalen Hurts in practice to make that kind of change. Because I think if Jalen Hurts was lighting up practice, if Jalen Hurts looked like the second coming here of of Kyler Murray. <laughs> you probably would have seen Jalen Hurts by now because this is where we're at here with this division. I mean, I mean, we saw we saw a team do this. You know, Alex Smith was playing and he was playing really yeah. well, and then he got Kyle hurt. Kaepernick, yeah, and went to Kaepernick, and then went to. Super I was gonna Bowl. say Wentz isn't even playing as well as, as Alex <laughs> Smith was back then. Smith just got hurt and lost the job, but <laughs> luckily you won't get hurt and lose yours here. We're gonna stick with you no matter what. So we come back, we're gonna do a little fantasy trivia with Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus. Don't go anywhere. More Sports Grid, more fantasy sports today. Right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, let's finish out the hour here strong on SportsGrid. Fantasy Sports Today, Joe Pizzapia with Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus. And you can always check Andrew out on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. And, of course, at Pro Football Focus, all his great content and articles. He also hosts a radio show on Sirius XM Radio, in case you didn't know that, too. Where can everybody hear the radio show for you, Mr. Erickson? Yeah, so it's on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. I don't know the radio uh, numbers exactly, but just go to their Twitter account and follow them. But it's every <laughs> Sunday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and I break down all the action from the slate of games. So, yeah, it's I a lot of fun. I want to say 21087. I want yeah, that's, say. that's probably right. See, old habits die hard. I was there for a good five plus years, and sometimes some things just stick in this old brain of mine. But let's see what sticks in Andrew Erickson's young brain. <clears throat> let's ask him a little bit of maybe trivia about uh, maybe perhaps, some, I don't know, maybe some rookie wide receivers. So, Andrew Erickson, here's today's question. Which rookie wide receiver has the most PPR fantasy points in 2020? Uh, a lot to choose from. There's a lot of quality guys. It's got to be, I have to guess, it's probably between Claypool and Justin Jefferson. Claypool has like 10 touchdowns, but you said PPR. I love PPR. watching you work this out in your brain. You said PPR, I, so. Uh, I did. So, mm. uh, I will go with Justin oh, Jefferson. I'll go with Justin Jefferson. You are correct, my friend. It is Justin Jefferson. Not by much, but a few points over Claypool. Uh, I've been talking about this recently as we're starting to, you know, hot take 2021. This wide receiver class, I think, is all world, man. Uh, forget that one we saw a couple years ago with Odell. This is so much better than that class by far already. And I don't think we've even seen the best of it yet because I think next year you're going to see CeeDee Lamb blossom and a lot of these other guys. This wide receiver pool is so deep that does it make you want to just load up on as many as you can or does it make you want to wait a little bit and take big quarterbacks or big running backs early next year because you know you're going to find so much value here at the wide receiver position? Yeah, there's going to be so many guys that you're going to be able to get later on. And, you know, people are going to reach on some of these guys, be really aggressive with them. But you're going to see steady producers going later in rounds. I mean, look, Keenan Allen, man, like 
He was uh, the best probably value at wide receiver that you get. He's, I don't know where he's ranked. He has to be at least, you know, at least in the top three wide receivers. The guy's getting like 18 targets a game and he was a value. So mm. again, you know, don't necessarily pay up for these receivers because you're going to be able to find guys like Diggs and Allen in the fifth and sixth round. And they're going to give you, you know, first and second round value. All right, Andrew, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. I am thankful to have you here every week on the show. Enjoy the holiday and everybody else stick around and enjoy hour two of Fantasy Sports today right here on Sports Grid. We'll be right back after this.